Care first. Care first. Take care of adults with disabilities. Yeah, staff their homes. Behavioral medical. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are live. Hey, first time back in four, in four weeks. I guess this would be week five, yeah? So if there's anybody online, I don't know if there is because there hasn't been anything for four weeks. Um, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome back to everybody here. Um, we are starting a little later today, and just good to see you. Good to see you. Um, before we get going, let's pray, and then we'll just jump right in. Father, here we hear your message. We hear the only message like this, the only message that's from God, the only message that can save a special, unique, standalone, powerful, endearing message just as endearing as the gospel is and all that is in the gospel, the gospel is as endearing as our internal, eternal God. <clears throat> that's our confession. That's our view. If it's new to us, help us to receive it with joy. And thank you that you give your gospel to unworthy sinners such as us to make us worthy, not you didn't choose us because we are awesome. You, choose us. you chose us because you are. So thank you. What, what do we have to put forward? Only thanks and praise. and Help us to glorify your name today. And that's a work that you do through us. And may you, so may you glorify your name as we talk and as we teach and as we learn, as we hear and as we remember later and do. All glory to you, 100%. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. <coughs> All right. All right, let's go. Peter, this is a... I think I say this at the beginning of every, every time we do this. This is a massive text. and It's the Bible. It's Scripture. This is about Jesus. This is the only place where we can encounter him as he is. So everything is going to be massive. I don't need to say that anymore, but how can I not say that? Um, and we're in chapter 9, verse 18. Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, as the heading of it in the ESV translation. Now it happened. Like the following is of massive importance. It happened kind of singles out, kind of puts our attention on the happening that's about what we're about to read. And this is in all th uh, three synoptic gospels, Matthew and Mark as well. So I hope that places the importance on it in our hearts as it is in scripture. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. So he's praying alone, but he's with people. There's some significance in there, but we can reach God even in a crowd, I guess. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? 
And he, and he answered them, and they answered them, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say I am? So he takes it from out there to right here. He says, I know what they're saying. What about you? He brings it from the masses, the noise, and the chatter to right here, right now, individual answer. What do you say? He asks his disciples. Either they're the ones who have been closest to him. They're the ones who have been the most direct eyewitnesses, uh, and they have the most amount of stories to tell as Jesus goes from town to town. And there's several people following him, but those are the closest. He's saying, what do you say? None can answer. I mean, it employs, or he implores them to plumb the depths of what they've witnessed and what they've heard and answer appropriately. None can answer for another before God. Like, I can't say about my son if, if, if we should both pass today and we both stand before God by ourselves. Yeah, he's yours. We know that because Jesus asked them. It's Jesus asking them in this setting, and Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, God, asking us now, what about you? And Peter answered the Christ of God. This is the shortest version we have of this. There's a lot more in that uh, um, Matthew and Mark tell us that Luke doesn't. And Peter answered the Christ of God. Peter's called like the spokesman for the group. Um, uh, this is where he answers. Thomas will answer later after the resurrection. Judas will never answer. The promised one, the Christ of God, the Messiah. What they've witnessed and heard up to now uh, to, uh, to make this point more, uh, what they've witnessed and heard up to this point should more than remove any other option from at least the disciples' minds and mouths. And Luke doesn't tell you what Matthew does. Like This is the declaration that Peter makes on this rock, Peter says in, um, in Matthew. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not, will not prevail against it. Uh, Peter means rock, but he... Jesus calls Peter, Peter, because of the declaration that he made. Because who, who have we heard in the book of Luke so far? Who's the rock? Who's the Jesus that we build our foundation on? So he's not talking about Peter is not the rock, okay? Peter is not the rock. Go tell your Catholic friends. <laughs> the declaration that Peter makes is the rock, is that foundation, that's what we set our life on. Jesus, this is who you are. I can say no other. That's what the gates of hell will not prevail against. Can you repeat that? Uh, yeah, which part? The, uh, so, Peter, you say that the words that Peter says is that you are the Messiah. He's saying that, that he's meaning that he's the rock. Yeah, in, in Matthew, Peter, uh, 
Jesus is going to, he doesn't reply to Peter and Luke's text here in Matthew. The conversation continues a little bit. We have a little bit more text and Jesus is going to say, uh, he's going to say, yes, you're right, Peter. Uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And he congratulates, he approves of, like, this is it. You are right, Peter. Like, yes, that is who I am. Luke doesn't tell us that, Matthew does. That's in Matthew 16, uh, 25, I think. Uh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that was Peter that actually knew it, or was that the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit actually bringing him to? Yeah, that's, uh, actually Jesus says specifically, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father. Okay. So Jesus puts uh, yeah. the name on it, like the Father, the Father used your mouth as I've heard John MacArthur say. And then we both know a little bit, a few minutes later, G Peter rebukes Jesus after this next part and says, no, you, this will never happen to you as Jesus foretells his death. And then like a bipolar day for Peter right there. Way to go, Peter, my father has revealed this to you. This is the declaration. And then a mom few moments later, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, pointing when he's in jail, he says, should we look for another? Yeah, am I in the right place? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so actually then, the Buddhists use this scripture, but they didn't finish with saying what Peter said because they believe in reincarnation. And the ones that were speaking were the, the, the other 11. And they said, oh, it's John the Baptist, or it was some teacher. Yeah. yeah. That's what Buddhists believe. You reincarnate when you die. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is <clears throat> a lot of your false cults and religions have a little bit of scripture. Everybody has an opinion <laughs> about Jesus. Oh, oh, yeah. right. But only Christians have what what uh, Matt, what truth of Jesus. Yeah, what actually what mm -hmm. And that is only that only comes from the Father. Okay, okay. The Father draws us in. Oh, he causes us to believe the truth. It's all grace, start to finish. Not just He forgives all our sins and we're saved and accomplishes our salvation. No, He accomplishes our knowledge in us too and helps us to grow from it. Okay. That's a sermon for that. That's a different. <laughs> okay. Um. So on this rock. That's what Matthew tells us. That's the declaration. Um, the sake of the redeemed, those are Christians, hinges on the identity of its redeemer. Who do you say that I am? And in other parts of scripture, John 8, for instance, he'll say, unless you know that I am he. That's, that's kind of an I am statement that flies under the other I am statements. You will not see the kingdom of God. The identity of Jesus is essential for our salvation. If we if we don't believe in who Jesus really is, then we're trusting in a different Jesus. So we must know. His, uh, knowing his identity is essential for our identity in the kingdom. So, okay, so, because uh, only the eternal one can redeem eternally. Only the righteous one can make one righteous. This is God's provision from heaven. He's man, 
but not merely because he's God. He's God, but not merely because he's man. He's both these, God and man, but not merely because he's the Messiah. So it's, we, we know, just need to know his identity. We need to know his function, his title. He's God. He's the Messiah. He's Messiah God. Um, point of all this is absolute identification. Like a, th a thorough seeking of Christ in the Gospels will show the spirit-born, blood-bought seeker that Jesus eradicates any other possibility of him being anything less than he is. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but the only Messiah of God, the promised one, God himself put on flesh. I have a question. Yes. So the absolute identity needed to be done before he died on the cross, correct? So at some point that had to be done so the people that were following him absolutely knew what his identity was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you could, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, he, he always was who he is, regardless of what, who he believed he is, but he lets us in on the knowledge now. It begins to crack it open, at least. Like, there's a crack, and we can kind of see the light. Next week, he's going to crack it all the way open for a moment. That's next week. But he's, he's kind of cracking the light open, so to speak, through all he's done up to this point as well. He's doing the works of the Messiah, and they get that he's the Messiah, but do they understand that the Messiah is actually God himself? And this is huge. This is why he's killed. Yeah, that's really deep. It's yeah. Like, it's like all this time he's going around and he's healing people and he's doing all this stuff, but everybody always up to that, this point of actually saying those words just probably felt that he was a great prophet from God, and mm -hmm. God gave him these abilities to come in here and do it just like he did his disciples, correct? Right, that's why he says... Yeah. That's why he asked his disciples this because <laughs> throughout, like everywhere outside, people are saying he has to be Elijah, come back. And he's John the Baptist, come back. They thought all these different things. But there's only one thing that he is. Um, and that my next point there's no hope of salvation outside of this moment of epiphany. That's A.W. Tozer has this famous quote I've said before. What come, he asks his, his congregation, are told that what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because that determines your eternity. It's, uh, what, do you, what, what's the, what comes into your mind when you think about God? What comes into your mind when you think about Jesus? Who he is puts so much more glory into and weight on what he accomplished. I, I had, before I was saved, I entertained the thought, I heard, I, I, like, is he God? And then that thought would kind of fall out of my head until it would come again. Because I always thought Jesus was a man that God really liked and really liked God. I didn't know he was God. And then I, I, I remember the day he was in here, it was over there. He, I realized what grace was and I realized who Jesus was in that, 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 boom, that's when he saved me. That's when he, that's when I had my moment. Peter has here, you are, I, I get it now. And then I, then I heard the gospel, the events of the gospel at the cross. And then I was like, that's who that is. And it began to sync up and it clear and clear up. And 
and like if that's who Jesus is, then I how can I not he I, he I'm his. I can't sit here anymore and like just come to church. I'm not just like a identify as a Christian because I believe in God and think it's the God of this book. That's over. See, that's a that's a that is a very deep of understanding God and then Jesus, but being both. Yeah. It's it's powerful. Yeah. I mean, if if you don't understand who Christ is, then you're not going to know who truly the Father is. I mean, it's yeah. It's oh, he says just, that in John. Yeah. Yeah, it's just awesome. Uh, mm -hmm. It took me a while, you know. Certain things go along, and then okay, I got it now, and yeah. that's and that's my power. That's that's my hope. That's my yeah. That and then people are like, "What do I do with that?" You don't do anything with it. You believe it. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. it. Believe it. You yeah. do what he tells you to do. You believe what he tells you to believe. That's being a Christian. Even though there's so many people that I know, and we probably all know, saying, "Oh, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're a good person and so forth." Yeah. I mean, if I don't believe this, or if I do, it should determine how I live. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's not just an intellectual thing. No, no, it is yeah. not. And, and this is it. People today think, oh, it doesn't matter if you're money, whatever you are. He's a good man. You know, yeah. yeah. But it does, what, what I, if I didn't believe what the Bible said, I'd probably steal. Who knows what I'd do? Mm -hmm. And I don't do it because I know the truth. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the whole thing about it. It is important. That's where the yeah. truth sets you right. really free. That's right. Yeah. That's right, Susan. But I think that when, and this is a concept that I just was, I was reading the Bible oh, a week or so ago, and I was kind of going over stuff about the Holy Spirit inside of you and how you can't do it on your own, that the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's there and he has to guide you in doing mm -hmm. everything that you do mm -hmm. from, you know what I mean, from not stealing or not sinning yes, to right. helping other people yes. be doing all that. And I think that's the, that's the part where, when you first get baptized, you always say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's in me. But I don't think as you, when you first get baptized, even though you know that there's a Christ and everything was there, it takes that nurturing and that cultivating to get that seed just going into a pearl. And it's like, it takes so long to get that Holy Spirit to go, yeah, you're right there inside of me. I can feel you now. You know what I mean? I think when that collides and you understand who Jesus Christ is versus God and they're all the same, then that just, I don't know, it just feels like there's a burning in you. Like, a, there, there, it's in you. It's, it's almost there. hard to explain. It is. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, being us believers, we believe it, but sometimes it works different. He uses people differently mm -hmm. to draw that oh, yeah. out. It's the same God doing many different things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah. And, and I think now, that's when you first get baptized, you think, oh, okay, I'm done. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Because you're like, okay, this is yeah. what I had to do. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get the whole ritual. I'm in it. I love him. I get And then it's like, oh, now the Lord starts. And I think that's where we lose a lot of people. I know for myself, mm -hmm. that's when everything hit my first divorce. You know what I mean? All mm -hmm. this stuff started hitting me. I didn't know how to handle it because I didn't rely on the Holy Spirit in me. I didn't understand that whole concept of, it's Jesus Christ and God, and now they're inside of me, and they're working. 
and there's that Holy Spirit, and he's going to town, and I'm just like, I didn't get that. Oh, he sanctifies. I mean, there, there's this moment when you're a new believer where he kind of wrapped, I heard Paul Washer talking about this, and he talked about it a lot better than I'm going to, but he said, uh, when you're a new believer, and I like this, that's how he put it, God like kind of puts a cocoon of grace around you for a moment. There's a honeymoon phase, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Right. And it's just, he's, it's his way of protecting and establishing your mind, your new, and sometime quick after that, he said <laughs> for him personally, it was like a month and a half after he met the Lord is when, all right, God pulled that away. Now we're going to start sanctifying. We're going to start refining. We're, you're going to start gonna gonna have to keep keeping hold of my grace I'm never going to lose you but you need to hold on to you know it's like we're in God's hand but we're holding on to one of his fingers <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a two-way street and I think a lot of times when you're first baptized you think it's a one-way street he's in me he's taking care of me I'm good to go I can go out and do what I want yeah I had that in you my mind I mean? at the beginning too like, yeah oh, wait a second I gotta put in what am I putting in yeah and know, sanctification, and as we'll hear today, as you go forward, things are going to hurt more and more, more and more, and you're going to need him more and more. It's not like you need him any less a few years from now when you're like some varsity Christian. You never reach varsity. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're like, even decades into this, you're still a rookie. It just gets deeper, and stuff you never saw a few years ago that you see now is like, man, I can't believe that. And then so I don't even trust myself now because I see me back then. So 10 years from now, I'm going to look back at my current state and think that was a guy was a goon. Yeah. And he's always processing. You know, we're always growing. Yeah. And he's feeding more and more when, when we can absorb it. Mm -hmm. Not everybody absorbs it at the same time. Right. But, you know, wherever that person, he needs you and he's going to work through you. That's personally, yeah. you know, that draws. But... Oh my gosh, it's even in my own life. A couple years ago into now, what I know, you know, with our study, it's like, holy mackerel, you know? Well, I think too, you know, it helps me as a Christian or as a person that believes in God that as we do this walk, you know, because it's set up on the board, like, you know, where God set the poor, you know what I mean, to get, give them freedom from slavery and do all these different things out of jail, whatever, you start doing that. As Christians, when we're kind of walk the walk, maybe we've been in this for 25 years, and yeah, we've been through the little stuff, and the little stuff seems little now, but now we're into the bigger stuff, and the bigger stuff's like overwhelming, and we're walking, and then we see all the new Christians coming in, and we're like, well, they were saved, but I see them smoking cigarettes. Or they were saved, but I see them drinking an alcohol beverage. And, you know, I mean, some Christians will be like, well, they're not really trying. They're not really trying, but in, in, in our voices, we have to say to ourselves, no, wait a second. Do you know what I mean? God gave us grace, and they're not there yet. Right. They're not ready to, do, to deliver themselves from that part yet, and that's okay. And I think a lot of new Christians coming in think that they have to give all that up at first, but God puts that in you. When I smoke cigarettes, God put it in me to give it up. I just threw them away one day, but it wasn't at first. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I mean, I probably was going to church for a year before I gave up cigarettes. I remember Rachel thinking when I did finally quit, yeah. oh, I'm fine now. I'm perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I think as we walk the walk, as we get further this way, like you said, like verse you're trying to get that yeah. way through. We're battling in our minds always, huge always. issues. And we're thinking, well, wait a second, you're baptized, why are you doing that? But we could we forget when we were infants. Right. 
we forget what it was like when we were back there. I have a question. What about this uh, quenching the Holy Spirit? It tells us quench not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, First Thessalonians. We can, so it's not. It's showing us we're still going to disobey. Yeah, uh, we our. Don't let, we don't give the Spirit free reign all the time. Yeah. Um, we're free, we're no longer slaves to sin. However, our flesh is still within us. It's weakened now. It's like this, uh, before we were, before we knew the Lord and before he took up residency within us, saved us, justified us, and started us on the path of sanctification. This is what was. We, are, we operated according to our flesh. A bunch of really bad, discouraging stuff in there. Go read Romans 3. Um, and the flesh had all the muscle. We were unable to not do uh, what it wanted us to. We appeased our pleasures. Uh, Paul tells Titus, um, for you, talking to Titus and telling Titus to remind them to be these things. And then he says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various pleasures and passions, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. And then he tells him, but God, when he saved you, and then he goes into the gospel, and he, so the good news of the gospel, that's the gospel too, it's the bad news, but the, when he completes it, and the good news comes to bear within what Paul's telling Titus, our flesh is now that skeletal thing where, where it was like muscle before, and where, uh, and now it's still there, we can still feed it, it, we, it can still get our attention and put us on things that we shouldn't be focusing on we can still backslide christians can are capable of doing horrendous things but god keeps hold and he may back off remove he won't remove his salvation i don't believe in that at all just because jesus says we can't lose our salvation we'll never be snatched out of his hand is how he puts it but he can remove his presence and we can have those feelings like we're not in his hand, we're not in his will. And that's, our, that's good fatherly discipline leading us on to true repentance and through trial um, and to get back on and put Christ back on. He'll take his jacket off you. You gotta wake up and put it back on um, and keep believing. That's what you see the psalmist going through this. Man after God's own heart. You'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. Turn the page. Where are you? It's that. Um, so flesh is dealt a death blow that will end permanently the day that we breathe our last. And that it will have zero place in us proceeding from that point. Heaven is a place where sin isn't and it is not possible. So that's what we keep looking for to the finish lines. How Paul encourages people at least. And we quench the spirit by letting it sit on the throne for a moment or grieving, doing something adverse to God, um, believing something, getting this, letting these like manifestations of this attitude, like I've had this for the past, like I've been like asleep or angry for the past few months. And so I'm in kind of a season like that right now. And that's how we quench the spirit because there's, I know the eject button is right there, but like I, I don't know, savor my anger, my pure anger. Don't leave me. Oh. And it's silly, especially as I verbalize it right now. But I'm going to have to cut half of this off. I hope that. <laughs> I, 
I hope that, uh, well, we made it through two verses. Um, <laughs> but yes, we can quench the spirit by acting according to our own old nature. We're easily distracted. And we are easily distracted, but God's we're not easily afforded, ultimately. Perseverance of the saints, such a wonderful doctrine. All right, verse 21, and he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell no one. So he asked them who he is. They say who he is as revealed by God, as we know from Matthew. And then he says, okay, don't tell anybody. It's a very God move, by the way. Like with, when he's with Moses, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. By the way, when you get there, I'm going to tell Pharaoh to tell you no. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must. That word must is huge. That's probably where we'll just hang out. After the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day raised. All that has to happen before Jesus, before he wants them to open their mouths. Because he needs to complete the mission of the Messiah so that they have a full message when they start saying, uh, when they start proclaiming the good news. So when Acts starts, this is complete. And they're, they've been, God's set up permanently the Holy Spirit within them. Um, they receive, now it's beginning. Now it's go forward. Now it's proclaimed. Now it's open your mouth. Here, hold on to it. Um, the people were saying all these different things. And he says, like, who, who's going to do this to him? Well, everybody killed Jesus. Everybody. You and I, the, the, the Jews, the Romans, everybody before and after them. A different subject. Sorry. Um, it's hard to cut off stuff now. <laughs> um, anyway. Satan? Right, because if Satan would have said, oh, hey, look, I get your trick. You, uh, God, you put him here for him to die. Because once he mm -hmm. dies and those sins are taken onto him, Satan pretty much is done. Right? He is done for believers, yeah. Right. But if he could have intervened before that, done. so it was a great, I don't know, I, I call it. Well, like Satan does try to stop him from getting to the cross in various ways throughout the scripture. Right, but if he would have stopped him, that whole, our whole situation would be yeah, but Satan was as powerless to stop Jesus as we would be to try to stop a train. Right. The sovereignty of God gets him where he do needs you, to be to accomplish what he will. Do you feel that Satan was really, um, it, was a, it was a big disguise for him not to know, or do you think that Satan knew the entire time? Because sometimes I think, you know, why didn't he just say, oh, look, I'm the Messiah, you guys are going to kill me, and they, they were going to do it anyway, right? Yeah. Because he was trying to get the, to get Jesus to transgress God's will by going a different way. Now Jesus came to go this way, and it must be this way. So he could he would have made Jesus a sinner if he opted out, like in the temptation, jump off the building, right, pretty much right, wants right. him to commit suicide, uh, jump off the temple. Then he's disobeying the will of God, and therefore he would be a sinner. And then Jesus, uh, then he wins. Satan wins. Jesus is not a sinner. He, he uh, he's the perfect one. He he's he does he always I always do what's pleasing to the Father. Jesus says, and he never transgresses that. 
doesn't have a sinful nature. He's a human just like we are, tempted and tried, yet without sin. Everything he said here happened. We're on the other side of the cross. Yes. And no man could have predicted this. So no. It wasn't, it wasn't Jesus the man. It was Jesus the God that yeah. was saying in verse 22. And what I'm getting at is that's what makes him God. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. we can't explain it sometimes to other people because how do you know? Well, you know the Holy Spirit will tell that person that I'm talking yeah. to what's going on. Yeah. And, but we are on the other side of the cross, and that's what makes it so it happened. The Jews did despise him, they believed a lie. Uh, somebody stole the graves, and they're still believing that today. And that There's so much. I mean, I, yeah. We can go on and on about it, but that's just one of them. Yeah. That particular passage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Um, so these ones that he mentioned here are the specifics, the rejected by the elders, chief priests, scribes. Um, their hope was in the law. They counted on their heredity, their position, and they counted on their ability to know and perform the law and the pride of having it. So they missed out on what else the scripture says, uh, the function of the Messiah. Their faith wasn't in this one, this promised one. It was in this law. That's like they put all their hope in the MRI machine that diagnoses the problem, the law, and none of their hope in the Messiah, who is the cure for the problem. They did have many prophecies about him in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah. Missed it. For all they knew, they missed the main. And we would too if, we, if it wasn't. Another thing too is he's talking to his, his disciples. He's not out there talking to the world yet. Yeah, it just says disciples. You know, he opens it up after what's next, and then he goes, "You must, if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself." Um, and that one of their big hang-ups about Jesus, and then we'll, I'm gonna have to skip. Um, but one of their big hang-ups was what Numbers 23, 19 says. God is not a man. No, God is not a man. That's, a, that's if, uh, Numbers 23, 29. I'll just read it. I have it marked off. But it says, namely, God is not a man. And that's what I want. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that, we, uh, that he should change his mind. He has said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? So God is not a man, no, but he became one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we could see him. Yes. <laughs> um, he was seen so on a religious level, if all my hope is in me and my morality and my ability to obey and earn my way rather than receive God's provision, then it's gonna be impossible for me to determine or allow another 
to determine my righteousness before God because all my hope is in myself. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be impossible to let another justify you before God where it matters most if I'm even complete, if I'm completely or even partially reliant on myself. And that's what Jesus is always like undermining and trying to just blow up. He's trying to blow up our self-reliance. That's why we have all these good ideas and they don't work out because God's like, no, don't do what you think is right. <laughs> Go where I'm leading you. And we're going to, that's, that's the, that's the great place where God sanctifies us. Um, all right. I was just going to say that when you were saying how to, to explain to someone that don't believe when you, when you do, that's where then we have to give our testimony mm-hmm. of how, where we came from. Yeah. And how the Lord changed us. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do it through your I think that's crucial. I think that's absolutely crucial. The, the gospel is the crucial thing. Like our testimony isn't the gospel. It's, a, it's evidence of the gospel's power. And so that's why our testimony is, is important. But the gospel is what's essential. Like, because, and this is what I struggle with most. Because I... I, I try to convince people into the kingdom and then go through an intellectual route and I, I can't do that. And, and sometimes when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody. I didn't mean that. When you, I didn't mean by saying crucial like our, what we went through. Yeah. I meant, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, the, 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 I just think it is important because oh, people yeah. do know that we, number one, we're not perfect. That, oh, so yeah. I think when people come in here, that's automatically what they think. We think we're perfect. Yeah, I got stories about that. Yeah, but yeah, but God's God's word is crucial for their life because they can't. The, the message of salvation is the gift, you know, is the what is what brings them into salvation. It's the hearing that right. that cultivates the faith that latches on to the grace that we're saved by in that transaction, the mysterious works of all that. That's why I think it's wonderful that the twelve disciples that he chose were had problems. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> A bunch of ragtag nobodies rejected. Oh, yeah, give me that. Yeah, we always choose, like, when we're choosing our teams, who do we choose first? Yeah, give me, I'll take LeBron and Jordan. Jesus is like, no, give me, let's go to the community center and see who's playing there. <laughs> yeah, I want that one. All right, uh, so, okay. Because it's hard for me to go. Much here, yeah. I'm sure you won't. You're saying, well, I can't finish. We started late. Yeah. So, so be it. <laughs> so what was being said today is very good. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. Um, well, let's just go to this through the scripture together and talk. I, that's where the power is, anyway, like we just said. So, this last part of the section of scripture. Um, verses 23 and he said to all if anyone now he's talking to all he goes he takes it from the disciples and takes it out to everyone who's else is around there Um, if anyone would come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me so like this isn't just like a Sunday morning thing 
anyone would come after him, this is what it means. He'll talk about uh, more about that by the end of the, in a few weeks when we get to the cost of discipleship. So I don't really need to be um, exhaustive on it right now. But um, oftentimes Christianity is pitched to some to a to a church to whoever and it's pitched as you're the victim and you need his help no that's part of it yeah but we're not the victim we're culprits and we need his forgiveness and just the savoring for a moment he purchased forgiveness to give us mercy the implications of needing mercy are that there was something there that was offensive to a holy God. And that should terrify us. And people, you know, that if we give people that Christ who's just there to help us and he's like this cosmic therapist or cosmic janitor that helps us with all our stuff, and he is, he's a big brother, he's a friend, he's a, he's better, he's a he can clean up all our messes, and he does, and that's true for the Christian who's come through the cross as a culprit, not a victim. And so, we are, yeah, we're guilty before God. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And it is. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jesus says only God is good, and then the guys like me too. I do this. Um, I don't mean paraphrase from American Gospel, but um, and this is the only place that I can think of on planet Earth where the message isn't love yourself, believe in yourself. The message of Christianity is deny yourself. Like as John MacArthur said, you're done. You're over. It's him. And Paul says and. First uh, Corinthians 15 31 I die every day and like there's so much more freedom in that than all the baggage that comes with loving yourself if you look at like the message of the world love yourself love yourself love yourself all the evidence is by how miserable we are is is how bad of a message that is you're not your savior you can't satisfy you that's why you're in the that's why you keep wanting to hear love yourself because all that loving yourself put you in the position anyway but like, it's, yeah, it's, it, and that's why like, I said it a message back that like most of my sanctification comes on the battlefield of my own, fighting against my own narcissism. So when and we say life is great, that's fake news. Well, Depends on what context you got behind it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We should be the happiest people on the planet. Our, yeah, we're resolved. We have nothing. Like, we have light momentary affliction. And ev anyway. But well, that's what he says next. Yeah. For, for whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life, this is the great paradox, for my sake, that's the key in there, for my sake. Uh, this is for minute, This is ministerial. Uh, for my sake will save it. And, G and I just... He puts it like this in John, John 12. He says, truly I say to you, unless a grain falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. 
So we must come, die to self, and live for Christ. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Like if you go get an apple right now, cut it open, take a seed out and put it in the ground, it's not going to grow, right? That's the illustration he uses here. But unless it dies, then that's where the growth comes from. So like, the, like whoever loves his life will lose it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And so go back here, just let Jesus reason with us as we end. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Like you have all this pleasure here, all this ladder climbing, all this promotion, all this, this side that we're so hungry for and think we're going to be like, what am I without being up here and here and here and going forward like that? But like Jesus and he's gonna, his disciples are going to argue about this in two weeks once we get to an argument arose about with him, who's, which one's the greatest? And like, did you miss everything I said a few weeks ago? It's like, is what Jesus is like. I just told you the message of Christianity as it counts for us is you want to be more, be less. Because if you're more this side of the world, then eventually you're going to be nothing. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, like we have nothing to be ashamed of in Christ. He's, his is the ultimate reality. We can forego everything else that we believe, hard as that is. Sounds good when we hear it now, but when it comes to bear. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man, that's Jesus, be ashamed of when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So like, said you love me you didn't live like it you must have been ashamed of what I commanded you to do but there's nothing to be ashamed of in Christ and if that's the one thing you leave with great um, his is the ultimate reality we have plenty to be ashamed of and we can't control if we're ashamed of it but he can he can you can follow him and believe that his way is better Lord I've thought this my whole life help me Lord, I want this now. I can get so much pleasure. I can just, I don't want to wait for yours. I can get this pleasure now. He can help with that. Times of temptation and trial and times of ease when you have everything and he's kind of in the background and things are going great. You need him just as much as you needed him in the, when things were hard. But I, t and then we'll close here. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Um, he can mean several things by this. People do, this is kind of mysterious what he's talking about here. Um, but where he goes next in the story is he takes Matthew, uh, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. G Peter, James, and John. And they go and he cracks open his humanity for a moment and you see his glory in the transfiguration. I can't wait to talk about that next week. So that could be what it's talking about. R.C. Sproul thinks it lands somewhere else and I know he's a lot smarter than me and I'm kind of like, well, am I wrong now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I've heard the one that it's John. Yeah. I might think that, but I think like John tells him that at the end of John's own gospel. So I, I kind of think he, I don't know. 
I don't know. But, Lord, I pray thanking you for your word. I thank you for these precious souls here. Thank you for teaching us your word. Uh, Lord, I, I accomplish nothing today. That's my confession. If anything, I'm motivated. You transformed. So, wherever, all glory to you. Thank you. Help us to find the joy of within our master of denying ourselves for his glory. Because Jesus, you denied yourself. The one who is worthy to sit on every throne and the throne of heaven is you. Our pride would convince us otherwise. It would dull us down to, and then later help us to feed it again. Make us sensitive to those moments. And when we fail, thank you for being so gracious to us and your abiding, steadfast compassion and love, even in the aftermath of sin. You're far more wonderful than I can express to you. Thank you that that's true. I don't want to hit a ceiling. for your wonderful name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Good to be back. Thank you.